You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Man, I feel the pain from this report. One-third of Americans uh, racking up uh, debt when it comes to sleep every single night. Sleep debt. Can you make it up on the weekend? And if not, how do you make it up? An expert in sleep, Dr. Dini Robbins. I appreciate your time today, Dr. D. Okay, so let's start with the weekend approach for people that are sleep-deprived and obviously not, not doing good, their body any good. And can, can you catch up on a Saturday and Sunday sleep-in? Is that possible? <laughs> well, trying to catch up on sleep on the weekends or sleeping in late doesn't fix your sleep deficit. It's like saying, I didn't eat breakfast, so I'll eat twice as much food to catch up at dinner time, but your stomach is only so big. So if you try the following steps, this can really help you catch up naturally and balanced. So try to go to bed an hour earlier because our bodies crave routine. Go to sleep the same time and wake up the same time every day, including on the weekend. Okay. Take a 20-minute nap before 2 p.m. This will not interfere with your night's sleep cycle. Use earplugs and eye masks to help you nap. If you start taking vitamin D3 and K2 and possibly a 20-minute walk in the sun daily, this naturally produces melatonin, which helps us sleep at night. Nice. These are things that are going to help you catch up over time versus trying to just stick it all in one weekend. Um, cut back on your caffeine products, especially in the evening before bed, and try to stop eating past 7. Also, your EMFs play a big factor, which is the electromagnetic field, which disrupts your sleep completely. So put your phone, your tablets, your computers, televisions out of the bedroom if possible. Make your bedroom a bedroom. And also the environment in your bedroom is very important. Try to set your thermostats between 60 and 67 degrees because the cooler the room is, the better you'll sleep and stay asleep. Why is that, Doc? I, I, I got to press the pause. Why is it that a cold environment is better for sleep? And you know what I'm thinking about right now is my precious dad-in-law. That dude, is he is my father. But that dude, he loves 80, 81 degree temperature. I mean, it's West Texas. It's cold up there. But it's suffocating yeah. hot. And I don't see how he sleeps in something like that. Why is it that the body responds better to cold temperatures? Because when, when it's 68 degrees or above, your body tends to go into sweat. So when you're sweating, you, you can't sleep. Your body, you're, dis, you're disoriented, you're wide awake. It doesn't allow your body to relax. It's, it's bringing up the body's temperature so you're not calm. You're not relaxed. You're not in a REM sleep. Where the cooler the room is, the more your body's just in this homeostasis, like it's perfectly balanced and it's ready to just going. Does that make sense? Yeah. Dr. Dini Robbins, a sleep expert, I guess. Does that change with age, though? Because, I mean, he's several decades ahead of me, and I remember when my father was alive, and, and uh, my mom, when, when they were alive, when they got older, especially my dad, he was very cold nature, and he wasn't like a sickly, thin little dude. He, was, he looked pretty normal. He had enough body mass and, and um, had plenty of fat on him. But when he got older, he got he he was always cold, always shaken, and is is a different is is there a difference in age? Once he gets well advanced in age, do you become more cold natured? 
Yeah, because your body has worse circulation at that point, so you're going to be very cool. Your body, you know, their, thin is, their skin is thinner. Their body themselves temperature is harder to regulate. So go. I would say definitely for older people, definitely an extra blanket. Yeah. But I also do recommend that try to stabilize the room, make the room as comfortable as possible for them. They do tend to sleep a little bit more as yeah, they that's go. True. <laughs> it seems like they sleep less, but they do sleep more. Also, there's other things like hyperbaric oxygen chamber sessions. Um, those you can find in some chiropractic offices and your doctors because that increases your oxygen from 21% to 100%, hmm. which actually oxygenates the blood cells, the brain cells. You well, end up sleeping better. That's why Michael Jackson, Justin Bieber, Kyle Lowry, all of them. Yeah, yeah, they all slept. In what do you find something like that? Does it does it have to be prescribed? I mean, where do you, where do you get something like that? And some, it really depends. Um, I, I think some doctors actually have them nowadays in their offices. I do know that in California, a lot of chiropractic centers have them. So it, it can required if you're trying to get it covered by insurance but there's lots of centers that actually you pay can you get the same benefit but, by breathing from a tank breathing 100 percent oxygen for several hours a day because could you get the same benefit um it's a little bit different when you're just breathing into your lungs than when your whole body's immersed in it because this is pressurized oxygen so okay. it's getting in all of your brain cells skin cells you know your whole body plus it heals if you have a surgery or, you know, dementia, stroke, well, it really gives you new brain cells, skin cells. It's, it's just something to consider. And there's other things like um, Tesla technologies, radio frequency therapies, like AO scans. Um, you can find this information on my website, and this will help you guys kind of give you options to help you regulate your body and start healing so that you're not so sick as we get older. Um, you can find me at innerhealthcenter.com, I-N-N-E-R, healthcenter.com. But I think the 20-minute naps, if people started doing that and taking the vitamin D3 yeah, and K2 yeah. versus trying to sleep all on the weekends, because you feel good for the moment, but you disrupt the sleep cycle, so your body never regulates. So you'll always be tired. What's the benefit of waking up, going to sleep and waking up at the same time, Friday night and waking up Saturday morning at the same time, which would mean, for me, it'd be 10 p.m. and waking up at 3 a.m. I hate that. I love staying in bed on a Saturday morning. I don't have to wake up, come to the news studio. Uh, I can stay in bed to about 6, 7 in the morning. But what's the benefit of going to sleep on a Friday night, not enjoying your Friday night with your kids, and going to bed early and waking up at 3, 4 o'clock a.m., which would be my, my schedule? Well, your body, when it has routine, it, it becomes part of your lifestyle and your body will expect that so your body will heal in that time. The whole idea of sleeping is to restore the chemical balance for the body to heal itself. So if you're doing that on a regular basis, you won't be tired anymore. I know you want to stay in bed because psychologically you're saying, oh, I want you know, to stay in bed till six, seven, eight, but it's good to lay there, read a book, relax, but you don't necessarily have right. to be sleeping in that I do time. that anyway. I check, I check the world. I check, you know how it is, everybody checking their phones. I grab my phone to see if there's any, you know, if the world is still here. That, that, that's what I do. And, um, <laughs> well, D, we're here for now. <laughs> yeah, D3, uh, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I just, I'm curious, what's the role of D3, uh, vitamin D3, in the whole sleep cycle? Why is that a benefit? Well, vitamin D3, okay, so... We don't get enough sun, and the sun is what creates the melatonin. So D3 with mm. K2, the key factor is with K2, 
is to it's kind of like a substitution of being in the sun okay. and it creates more melatonin melatonin is what we need to sleep at night to balance ourselves okay it keeps your hormones in balance how about how about chewing on a melatonin gummy before you go to sleep it can you replace that 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 fine works that works, that works. Well. all right well yeah yeah just go easy on the gummies though right <laughs> Yeah, the, the, but the sugar, yeah, that's an issue. Right? Thank you, Dr. D. It's a pleasure meeting you. We'll call you again. Uh, sleep expert, Dr. Dini Robin. This is The Sergio Show. I welcome back to the program David Tice. He's producer of Grid Down, Power Up. He has become an expert in all things infrastructure, the electricity grid, the grids across our country. I want to start there, Dave, because I want folks to find your documentary, Grid Down, Power up. Tell me a little bit about it and why you have a passion for the subject. Well, glad to be on the program with you, Sergio. So the website is griddownpowerup.com. You can watch the documentary free of charge directly from the website. You can also download it from the App Store for your iOS device, your Apple device, and you can watch the program there. You can also reach out to your legislators and regulators, board of directors of your public utilities asking for this vulnerability to be fixed. What this documentary does is it alerts the American public to the fact that our power grid is incredibly vulnerable to attack or from a geomagnetic disturbance, which is essentially a solar flare, which is a virtual certainty that it is going to happen. And our military has protected their command control centers, our missile systems, et cetera, but our critical civilian infrastructure has been left unprotected. And we, the American people, need to be outraged and let our regulators and legislators know this can be fixed. So much to talk about on this one with this balloon that crossed American airspace. Man, that's the first thing that crossed into my head. I, I cannot believe, well, jaw-dropping amazing how this administration, Joe Biden, people at the Pentagon, Generally Millimouth, all these people, they allowed this Chinese balloon to cross the entire continent. It seems like they were able to control it. Can you please explain what an EMP, this micro nuke burst, um, what is it? How can it be you know, popped on top, way on top of us in the atmosphere? And what would what would happen if something like that were to take down the grid? Or what would it take down? Sure. So EMP stands for electromagnetic pulse. This is one of, one of four threat vectors that we talk about inside our documentary, Grid Down, Power Up. What this is, is a nuclear uh, detonation in the atmosphere that creates harmful gamma waves that will disrupt and destroy sensitive electronics. And therefore, it would wipe out our sensitive electronics inside our transformers, inside our 52,000 uh, electrical substations, and essentially knock out the grid. 
that's what we are the most concerned about. But there is equipment available, somewhat like surge arresters, to be able to protect the sensitive electronics. And our utilities have not paid for that to go into our substations, and our regulators have not demanded that. If we end up going without electricity nationwide for several months, there has been a congressionally mandated commission made up of the smartest and most talented scientists from around the world that found that as many as 90% of Americans would die just because our uh, municipal water systems would go out, our wastewater systems would go out, or we would not have, be able to operate our gas tanks you know, at the filling station, and therefore it could essentially cascade into almost a zombie apocalypse. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful thought uh, to consider. David Tice is producer of Grid Down, Power Up. The balloon that everybody saw, Dave, is it capable of carrying an EMP device? I mean, how big are these EMP devices? Could something of that size been able to carry inside the balloon away from detection? So it's more important what the elevation is. So a electromagnetic pulse detonation can be done from a weather balloon 20 to 40 miles in altitude. Now, that would not uh, include the whole nation. Essentially, the radius for the impact of a device uh, at 20 to 40 miles, 20 to 40 kilometers, sorry, is about 150 miles. And therefore, so it could be a regional EMP attack. For a nationwide EMP attack, it would have to be closer to 200 kilometers wow. in atmosphere, okay. and that would have to come from a missile. Yeah, that'd be way beyond. Uh, well, it's good to learn that. That'd be way beyond the balloon level, because that was the first thing that was my concern, some EMP nationwide right. attack. But even still, regionally, it would screw up the life for many folks, millions of folks, if it hit over a metropolitan area where major cities, and it did cross over metropolitan areas over major cities. So, again, how I got about uh, less than a minute left. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll let folks uh, look at your uh, documentary, so that way they can figure out how we need to protect her. So, so uh, final thought. Yeah, final thought. I, I'd love to leave the listeners with some hope. I mean, this sounds like scare porn. I got 30 seconds. Scary. Yeah, got 30 but, seconds. Go ahead, Dave. But, but we, can, we can fix this. Tell your friends. Get it done. And tell policymakers and lawmakers as well that's something that needs to be prioritized at uh, regional national level as well. Thank you, Dave. We'll look for your, your production, Grid Down, Power Up. Look for it online, Grid Down, Power Up. Producer David Tice. Thanks, Dave. This is The Sergio Show.
you're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Once a Marine, always a Marine, they say. Todd Bowding has 14 years under his belt in protecting our nation, part of the U.S. Marine Corps. He is now helping businesses take the art of of military leadership, apply that in business, uh, combine that with the science of human behavior, and he's uh, the leader of tribe and trust leadership. That's what he's doing these days. Todd, I appreciate your time today. Uh, Let me start with this. If somebody were to ask you in an elevator, Todd, why why are you proud to be an American? What would you say real quick? You know, I I love the the question to start off with. I'm going to tell you that regardless of what people say, this is still the most free country in the world. This is still where the greatest opportunities lie. I'm going to tell you also that we're not perfect. We've got a lot of things to work on, but I've been to a lot of countries, and there's no place I'd live before I'd live in the United States. Gen Z doesn't seem to agree with you. Let me look at this survey. Generation Z, new survey showing Generation Z is 18 to 25, and they're far less likely than older generations to say that they are proud to live in the USA. Morning Consult ran the numbers in a an amazing, my opinion, jaw-dropping. Only 16% of Gen Z adults said that they were proud to live in the United States of America. Todd, where did we where did we go wrong? Well, Sergio, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that I don't think that that this survey is any different than surveys that have been done in previous uh, decades. 25 years ago, a very, very similar survey was done. The only difference was that the demographic went up to 30 years old. But the exact same number reflected in this survey, and that is 16% said they're extremely proud to be American. And really what it boils down to, Sergio, is two things. Number one is it's a lack of life experience, okay? I mean, a lot of the kids in, in this range They've never been outside of their bubble. They've never traveled the world. They've never seen where society can be very, very different versus what they know. And the second thing that's extremely important to understand is that this is a demographic that includes folks whose brains are not even fully formed yet. And, and I, don't, I don't mean that to be, you know, uh, uh, to slight them in any, in any way, but biologically, that's the truth. So you combine those two things, you know, someone whose prefrontal cortex hasn't even fully developed yet, and you combine that with somebody that doesn't have the experiences in life of somebody like us, and that's what you're going to get because the human brain is wired to naturally compare what you know versus something else. It's, it's the reason we put everything in, in terms of black and white, good and evil, fight or flight. But that's, that's why this number looks the way it does. And it has, as you said, it has over the past couple of generations, generation and a half. I, I just find this dangerous. I, I think it's an 
it's almost like an existential issue when it comes to our country to have a younger generation that continuously we we train them wrong. They're reared wrong. They're they're twisted. They don't appreciate. It could be, I don't know, maybe poor parenting. I mean, you got an, an entitled, you know, entitlement-minded parents. I mean, bringing up kids or parents are unhappy. The kids are unhappy. Maybe, and I'd say a big part of this would be poor civics training in public schools for multiple generations now, where we don't emphasize heroes in our country. The real heroes, the ones who defended, gave their lives to protect our country. There's none of that. In Mexico, I'll give you an example, and I say this all the time. In Mexico, they could do a great job of training their children to respect national heroes, los niños héroes, the the brave children that, that wrapped themselves with a Mexican flag and jumped off a cliff to make sure that the American military during the Mexican-U.S. War didn't capture the Mexican flag. They're celebrated, venerated. A new generation always sings the praises of their Mexican heroes. We don't do any of that in our country. We barely even take our kids on a bus ride to the local war memorial to reflect on the blood sacrifice to allow them a cushy, comfortable existence in public school every single day with free lunch. I think lack of engagement in church, too, where you know how many churches, they used to do missions trips to a third world country, just south of us, for example, to appreciate, so kids would appreciate what they have daily versus what others don't have and to you know put everything into perspective. Well, and, and Sergio, I'm not going to disagree with a lot of what you said, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to counter some of it too. And, you know, what I would tell you is that there are a lot of, I mean, I, I belong to an organization called Carry the Load, and we have a program called Carry the Flag, and it's about instilling patriotism and teaching the younger generations, what it means to be a patriot. And let me tell you something, there's some incredible kids out there who've done some incredible things already. What we don't do as a society is celebrate them enough. I completely agree with that. But I'm also going to point to a, a, a positive that I think has to be considered. And that is, if you look at, at the, the amount of, of legal immigration we've had in this country, okay, 50 million people in 2020, came into this country. That's more than the rest of the top five combined. That should make you be proud to be a part of something that so many others want. And to me, those are the things that have to be celebrated. You're right, all the negative things are there, but there's some real positives, and those are the things that we have to really shine the light on, yeah. and that's what we don't do a good job of as, as a society of elder leaders. Exponentially, everything that is good is being done independent of the taxpayer-funded public school system. Everything that is good, exponentially, it needs to grow in participation and definitely go into American inner cities and all these um, church clubs, all these... There's, there's not enough kids participating in those programs. That uh, just, remember, just remember this thing. If they're not proud to be an American, that's not their fault. That's our responsibility yes, sir. to make sure they understand. Yes, sir. No, great point. The Gen Zers, the millennials, they're the children of the Gen Xers. And we got to point that finger blame back to the Gen X. We didn't do a good enough job at home, at school, and church for them to understand their, their legacy, their heritage, which is the culture of liberty in this country. We can do a better job. Todd, it's a pleasure. Where do folks find you online? Tribeandtrust.us, and I thank you for asking. Take care, brother. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Sergio. From Tribe Trust Leadership, Todd Bowden. This is The Sergio Show.
start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. A little bit of good news for our veteran family. Check this out. U.S. military veterans. They say that in an acute suicidal crisis, they can receive free treatment now, including inpatient care for up to 30 days, outpatient care for up to 90 days. This is an expanded care announced by the Department of Veteran Affairs, the VA, meant to prevent veteran suicides. So let me bring in a Navy SEAL, veteran, and successful businessman, author of Be Nimble, How the Navy SEAL Created Mindset Wins on the Battlefield and in Business. It is a pleasure to bring aboard Marty Strong. Marty, thank you for giving us a few minutes. So what more can you tell me about this announcement from the VA providing this, as they call, acute suicidal crisis care for, for veterans? So the announcement Friday included a couple of surprises, at least from my perspective. You don't have to be already registered in the Veterans Administration with a disability. You don't have to have already applied for this particular acute uh, issue that you want to uh, be seen for. In this program, you can just walk into any VA or non-VA healthcare facility and and start the process of being evaluated and hopefully um, through a, you know, Diagnosis and prognosis, you'll be set on a path to some uh, assistance with whatever is ailing you. You know, the, the root causes of acute suicidal crisis, at least in veterans, if it's related to their service, tend to be PTSD or traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. So both of these are, are now defined by the U.S. military, defined by the Veterans Administration, defined by uh, medicine in general as real things. They were They were identified and... Uh, focused on during the Iraq war because of the roadside bombs and, and some of the other technology that was expanding as far as brain mapping and sleep, sleep technology, and they realized this is a real thing. Uh, our forefathers in World War I called it being shell-shocked, and World War II they called it battle fatigue. But now it's actually science, and this is a good thing for everybody. Marty, from your perspective, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I, I know there's number numbers – it's talked about from time to time, but how many veterans are we losing daily? And is it mostly, as you were mentioning, this these impact injuries, the percussive injuries, and also the PTSD? Well, the, I've heard anywhere from 17 to 22 a day from suicide. And there are quite a few advocate organizations out there that are tracking this, trying to raise awareness, not just in veterans, but with, with you know, the country at large with the citizens so that they are aware that this is the price that the veterans have paid for signing up, volunteering to join the service, sometimes during war, sometimes, you know, not during war. And, you know, what they they don't realize, a lot of people that haven't been in the military, is that the kinetic effects on the human body and on the human brain um, don't require combat. You can have, you can get PTSD and, and traumatic brain injury 
from the kind of dynamic training the services do, from riding in helicopters for long periods of time, metal uh, armored vehicles, from having large weapon systems being uh, detonated and fired close close to your uh, your body, and have the same concussive effects as, as running into somebody at, at full speed on a football field. So they again, the science has determined that this is actually happening, and it's not just combat-related, but a lot of it is. Combat-decorated Navy SEAL and successful businessman Marty Strong is my guest. I know it shoulda, woulda, coulda, Marty, but, yeah, what shoulda, woulda, coulda our country have done to prevent that daily suicide rate that is just jaw-dropping amazing, 17 to 22 on a daily basis? What should we have done? Well, the first thing is to have recognized that this is, this is the, you know, the invisible uh, wounds. These are the things that you don't see. You now, if you see a veteran going down the street or see somebody that's had prosthetic um, technology um, added to their, to their lives to increase their quality of life, you know, it's, it's visible. You can see it. You can recognize it. But these, the things that are causing people to commit suicide are more invisible problems and challenges. So, you know, the first thing is everybody has to recognize that it's, it's real and exists, which I think science has helped everybody uh, with. The second thing is everybody has to kind of pitch in and help communicate both to the veteran and to the veteran's families that, hey, this is happening. We see these these behaviors. We think there's something that you need to look into and do it quickly. So at that point, there's a huge network of commercial, uh, nonprofit, charitable uh, associations, veterans associations that are trying to do everything they can to link these uh, veterans in need to the help that they require. I mean, I've written nine novels, and all the money from those novels goes to the SEAL Veterans Foundation. Excellent, excellent. And there's 50 SEAL, 50 SEAL charities just for SEALs. So they're all over the place. It's not just the Veterans Administration. As you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, how this this new approach is open to all veterans. Like, let's go. Now, is it treatment through the VA, or is it open to all veterans? Like, go find your nearest mental health expert in private sector. We'll pay for it. Is, is that how they're approaching this, or it's still through VA, like get in line? Well, you, you'd go to the VA as, as one of your uh, options, but it's got to be an everything, uh, everything goes. So what I tell people is if you just look for mental health clinics, brain uh, clinics, and you know, a lot of universities have free uh, clinics where you go in because they want to put you as part of a study, and they will map your brain. They'll do sleep. Um, sleep studies usually takes about a week, and they'll tell you what part of your brain's been injured. They can tell you whether or not that part of the brain is affecting behavior because they had that science. So, you know, a lot of sleep is related to that. A lot of sleep apnea is actually related to brain trauma. A lot of PTSD is actually related to brain trauma. There's parts of the brain that will cause you to be more depressed than the average person because it's been injured. And that's one of the ways you can you can find uh, that technology is Right. Find, find organizations and advocate groups and also just Google and start hunting. Marty Strong, combat-decorated Navy SEAL and successful businessman, is my guest. And I just want to get your quick opinion. i got about a minute left, Marty. There was a recent report on veteran homelessness, how the Biden administration and their VA office, they were able to reduce it by about 10 12% over one year. The goal is reduce it by 25%. 
in one year. But I look at how lawmakers prioritize spending in Ukraine, for example. And I'm not saying I'm not saying cut the tether to that, but I'm saying, look, let's prioritize our family, our veterans. For every ten billion you give Ukraine, you guys need to find an additional and equal in the budget. 10 billion for our veterans to address homelessness and address the PTSD problem and suicides. And I think we could, instead of reaching 25% uh, homelessness, you know, get rid of homelessness for veterans, you could probably get rid of all of it within the next couple of years. Just want to get your quick opinion. Well, I think that's a great idea. I think, you know, there's, there's companies like Bombas and others that, you know, you buy a pair of socks, they donate a pair of socks. So you can have those kinds of linkage uh, policies and you don't necessarily have to get rid of the strategic imperative of you know defending NATO, but at the same time, recognize that you know there's another population that went before you that have already defended you know against terrorism, against uh, yeah. against communism, all those all those. And we have up. a debt to pay. We owe them for that. Correct, Marty. Thank you, and uh, look forward to keeping in touch. Again, look for his book. Be nimble. How the Navy SEAL Creative Mindset Wins on the Battlefield and in Business, author and Navy SEAL Marty Strong. This is the Sergio Show. Health and money, health and money, money and health. New Year's resolutions, overwhelming majority dealing with money and health, health and money. And now that we're well into 2023, a little bit of financial advice, financial analyst from Credit Sesame, Richard Barrington, joining me right now. And looking at Valentine's Day around the corner, Richard. I know some people, they like to splurge and swipe that credit card and just buy, buy all sorts of unnecessary stuff. I think um, looking at one of the reports I saw, Rich, on how much people are going to be spending for Valentine's this year, I think you guys love each other. Why don't you give each other 193 bucks in cash and then go pay down your credit cards each, $193 <laughs> in cash. And slowly move toward getting out of debt because, man, credit, low credit scores? are expensive. And I know you got some numbers on that you want to share. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, using some uh, typical examples, uh, Credit Sesame did a study that came up with a figure of $9,282 a year that people with bad credit pay more than people with good credit uh, for the debt that they have. So that's over nine grand a year extra money that people with bad credit are paying to lenders and credit card companies instead of having it to spend on themselves and their families. People, consumers, workers reflect on 9K, 9,000 bucks that you made, you produced, you had in your bank account, but you forked over because you're paying more in, in interest rate payments for whatever it is that you borrowed for credit cards or maybe car loan, whatever it is. That, that was your money. You made it. You could have kept it. You could see it in your bank account statement right now, an extra 9,000 9, bucks. So, what would you recommend, Rich, folks do? Take step one to start fitting, uh, start fixing that credit score and start you know, climbing out of that deep hole of debt. Yep. Um, well, probably uh, the first step uh, would be to check your credit report to see if there are mistakes on it that are costing you money. Uh, another very important thing to do as soon as you can is get current on your payments and make a plan to keep future payments on time. Your payment history is the biggest determinant of your credit score, so this is very important. Create a budget that doesn't spend, that doesn't depend so much on continued borrowing. Um, and once you get your spending under control, start paying down your debt. 
pay more than the minimum required payment on your credit card bills, and prioritize extra debt payments to pay down higher interest debt first. And then finally, um, as you start this process of improving your credit, uh, sign up for credit monitoring, which is something you can get for free from creditsesame.com, because credit monitoring will not only help you track your progress, but it will alert you to fraudulent activity in your accounts, which, as you probably know, has become a growing problem in recent years. Kind of dovetail in, or it kind of circles back to the first thing that you had mentioned, the the credit score, check that credit score, and check that credit report. Check that credit report to see if there are any mistakes. What are the more common you know, mistakes that you see on there? Is it people stealing your credit card and you know, swiping and buying stuff that you didn't know about? Or was it like a medical debt? Or what was it that is usually a, a, a mistake on your credit report? You know, a common mistake uh, will be just information that hasn't been updated yet. In other words, you've paid off a debt, but somehow the creditor didn't report that on time or didn't report it accurately to the three credit reporting bureaus. Um, so there may be out-of-date information. But, yeah, the idea of fraud uh, has become a big problem, and that can take two forms. One is people getting information on an account that you have and using that to make purchases on that account. Um, the other thing is is that if they get information like your you know um, address and social security number, they may open up a fraudulent account in your name. So that can be an account that's racking up debt in your name that you don't even know about. Um, but that should show up on your credit report um, and you can put a stop to that quickly if, if you're alert to it. From Credit Sesame, financial analyst Richard Barrington. These companies that advertise um, advertise fixing credit say, "Fix your credit with us." Like, sign up with us; we can fix your credit. How do the How does that work? How do those companies work? Is that legit? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. And I think you really have to dig into the process of how they do it, um, and also. What is this going to cost me? Um, is this going to make the problem worse or is this going to make the, the, the problem better? Uh, you know, the main thing is, I think, is to start with the fundamentals. Before you, say, get into a debt management plan type situation where you're turning your money over to somebody else to pay your bills, try to set yourself on a schedule to get that done by yourself. Um, you know, just getting a plan in place, getting a schedule in place, getting organized is a huge step that helps people keep up with their doing. But the other thing too is, you know, that's that's dealing with the debt you have. You have to stop the bleeding too, which means budget before you borrow. Don't just automatically wave your credit card and as to use your example earlier, um, splurge on uh, Valentine gifts. Before you do something like that, make sure you have a plan for how you're going to repay that money and how long it's going to take you. Thanks, Rich, for all the advice. Uh, what do they find you online for? Any more advice or information? Yep, creditsesame.com, and there's tons of tips and tools that uh, people can use to uh, improve their credit and use credit more effectively. Thank you, Rich. Richard Barrington with Credit Sesame. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk.
Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a in this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Looking at our national deficit and national debt, I'm making a new friend today, Phil Kirpin is president of American Commitment, also with Tomorrow. And I want to start there, Phil. What you do day-to-day at these organizations? Well, uh, American Commitment is a national free market advocacy group. group. We work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues. We try to get in the fights that are sort of on the margin, where the outcome is uncertain, a little bit more citizen education and engagement might tip the outcome in a more free market direction. And uh, you can get all our stuff at AmericanCommitment.org. I noticed you were sharing the other day, and one of the quotes I read from you, you were sharing from the CBO, the nonpartisan, air quotes, Congressional Budget Office, and where our national debt is right now at 107% of GDP. And at this pace, where might we be in the next uh, several decades, Phil, if you want to share that with working people right now? Well, they've got us on a path to the national debt doubling again in the next few decades. So 200% of GDP, which is to say, you know, the debt would be twice the value of everything that's produced in the entire country in a year, uh, around the year 2050. At what point do we reach the, you know, the straw breaking the camel's back, where the interest payments alone on all these notes will just shatter the economy? How, how many more years, decades do we have? You know, best guesstimate on your part. Well, you know, nobody knows when a debt crisis is going to go from chronic to acute and you're going to have, you know, Greece-style meltdown where you can't actually finance your bonds. So I don't know if I had to guess, I'd say we're around, you know, a decade or two away from that on current trajectory. Yes, but, you know, it could be next year. Nobody knows. Uh, but we, we do know that even if we don't have that kind of a meltdown, that kind of an acute crisis, the cost of the interest is rising pretty substantially because we went from, you know, a 1% interest rate environment to, you know, a 35 4% interest rate environment for, for government bonds. That has a huge implication for the federal budget, even in the near term, uh, as that has to be refinanced. So, you know, if they can't find a way to cut other government spending, um, you know, the, the amount of new debt that has to be accumulated to cover the interest on the old debt is going to accelerate this problem pretty rapidly. Phil Kirpin with American Commitment. His day-to-day gig is hoping to wake up Americans, policymakers, to the dangers of this national debt. We're in deficit spending, all this spend, spend, spend culture up in D.C., hoping to wake everybody up before it's too late. Part of that needs to be reflected uh, at the polls. It needs to be a top issue when people go vote. And you know what, Phil? It hasn't been for the longest time the deficit spending, the national debt, people don't think about that. They haven't thought about that in a long, long time. And that I think that's where we're in trouble. Well, you know, they might not have thought about spending per se, but they sure felt 
the inflation that we had from the extra $6 trillion of spending that was mostly financed by the Fed printing the money over the last couple of years. And I think, you know, one of the cases that Republicans really need to make to voters, uh, you know, if they are going to be more fiscally responsible than they've been in the past, is look, if you didn't like all of the inflation during COVID from that COVID spending, then we need to get the federal budget off the track that it's on because that's not going to be a one-time thing. When during during COVID, that's going to be every year when we have to finance these massive deficits going forward. So we're we're going to have we're going to depend on the GOP. These guys suck. Well, we're going to try to we're going to try to drag them to it. I'll tell you what, pal. Uh, GOP sucks at messaging. They always do. And if we're dependent on them, we're doomed. There's no way people are going to find out because the national press, the corporate press. The big cables and print, they're not talking about this. People are asleep at the switch. They're not. People on their own cannot connect the dots. They're being spoon-fed information every every minute, every half hour on on information media, online. They're not, they don't see this on radar, the voters. Well, look, I mean, I think the media and the Democrats are certainly trying to, uh, you know, they're, they're telling a very distorted version of the situation because what they're saying is, you know, they're saying that the problem is not the debt. The problem is the debt ceiling. And all we need to do is jack it up and borrow more and everything will be fine. But, you know, from the polling I've seen, and I know polls are uh, not always reliable, but the polls that I've seen, the American people pretty much reject what the Democrats and the media are saying. They reject the idea that you can just borrow more without doing anything to change the spending path that we're on. And you know, I think that, um, you know, people get it. You know, if you use an analogy, you know, if you use an analogy to say a regular business, if a regular business were operating like the federal government is, losing a huge amount of money every day and uh, maxed out on all their sources of credit, and they went into a bank and said, we want to borrow another $10 million, and the bank said, oh, well, what's your plan to fix the situation that you're in? You know, what the Democrats are saying for the country is basically telling the bank, oh, we have no plan. Just, just, let them, just give us more money, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. Well, the American people, I think, get how insane that is. And I think that if the Republicans see this fight through and demand real spending cuts and reforms on this debt ceiling fight, uh, I think they will win. Uh, and, and, you know, as much as Republican leadership has been weak on these issues in the past, we've got a speaker now who knows he will lose his job if he doesn't follow through on this because of what the rebels did in uh, demanding that he fight on spending. And so he's got a very strong incentive to deliver right now. And as, as hard as it might be, to get a favorable outcome, you know, with a Democratic Senate and President, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, we'll get, you know, a down payment on some of these spending cuts. Well, we're talking about deficit spending, the national debt in the trillions and trillions of dollars, north of $30 trillion, well north of GDP now, and it could be growing exponentially to become what twice what GDP is. And that's really scary to think about that. Phil Kirpin is my guest, and he's trying to educate folks with an organization called American Commitment. But you know, Joe Biden's not bunching. He doesn't want any cuts. And, you know, if, if you start trying to message to grandma that this is dangerous, we're not going to be able to pay that Social Security check. We're not going to be able to pay those medical bills with Medicare in the future. Oh, you know what the left is going to do? Oh, these Republican scaremongers are trying to scare grandma to cutting Social Security. You know what's coming. It's It's been – that's the playbook. It's been replayed over and over again. Realistically, just in the final minute, realistically, what type of cuts or framework – can Kev McCarthy expect out of Joe Biden and the Democrats to stop this crazy, dangerous, potentially lethal spending? 
Well, you know, the House Budget Committee put out uh, sort of their, their first list, their kind of their ante for these negotiations, and uh, it, it was all stuff that I think would be very hard for any reasonable person to say no to. It was like, it was like cancel $100 billion of COVID relief funds that haven't even been obligated yet. It was things like um, limit Obamacare subsidies to 400% of the federal poverty level as income, which was the original limit when Obama passed the bill before they got rid of it during COVID. Uh, they want to uh, put work requirements into food stamps. They want to crack down on fraud in a bunch of programs. So I, mean, I think the, um, you know, the, the first round of things they propose, the Democrats should be, should be able to agree to. So we'll see. Fair enough. We will. The problem with what you said, Phil, reasonable. These are proposals that no reasonable person would reject. You don't have any anyone yeah, like well. that up, up in D.C. Thank you, Phil. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Phil Kirpin, look for him. American Commitment, the name of his organization. This is The Sergio Show.